Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, Nicole Romito. Nicole, I've never told you this before. I love saying your name. I don't know why. (laughs) Nicole Romito. Great. Well, you haven't said that before, and I appreciate (laughs) it. I think it's a fun name, too. So how are you today? I am doing fantastic. I I know that you've got another great guest on the show today. Who did you bring on? Yes. Joining me today is Laura Adams, who is the Chief HR Officer for Jones Lang LaSalle. And I'm very excited for our conversation today as we want to highlight successful women as it is Women's History Month. I love it. And and just for the, the listeners, if you're just joining us, Nicole's already done a few podcasts based on this as far as Women's History Month. And this is, it's been fantastic. It's been fun. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to talk about today. Great. So first of all, welcome, Laura. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Laura, you joined JLL back in 2004, and at that time, you thought it would be a single year of real estate experience. You're now laughing about 19 years later. During your time at JLL, Laura has held a range of leadership positions, building up her strategic partnership experience by serving just about every business line in the company from corporate solutions to capital markets to JLL Technologies. Laura became CHRO in 2022, and although she is still on a learning journey, those past experiences working with all the various and unique businesses in JLL have been invaluable in her current role. Laura, as we were prepping for this episode today, you mentioned that as a young mom, your daughter often asks, what pushed you to get where you are today? Could you share a little bit about that with our listeners? Sure. I had my daughter at a relatively young age. I had not finished college yet. Um, and so I was a single mom. And it, it was curious as she grew older, she kept saying, what was it that really made you push yourself so far ahead in your career. And I think there were a couple things that really stood out when I reflected on that question. The first is at the time when she was born, I was working at the University of Michigan and was fortunate enough to work in the business school there. And I was exposed to just some really incredibly smart faculty and staff and students that challenged me and helped me learn and grow. And it made me realize I needed to focus on my education. And so I took night classes at Eastern Michigan University, realizing education was going to be and continual learning was going to be the only way to advance in this world. And then I think the second driver for me was I was going to prove people wrong. There was a lot of negative stereotypes of single moms, and I just didn't want to be that statistic. And so that drive really helped me keep going during tough times. I love that. I love that you're, like you said, you want to either beat the statistic or start to change it with your personal experience and your personal drive. And just what a great role model. Um, I think the best role models and the ones I know I choose are the ones who show me by doing because it's just so much more impactful. And then you can really say, hey, I mean, you know, in your instance, your daughter's like, hey, mom did it. I can do it too. 
Um, so that's fantastic. Would you like to share a little bit about, um, I, I, you've worked in many areas in JLL, as I shared in your bio, kind of how you transitioned from working at a university to going to corporate America, if you will, and certainly a very large and uh, far-reaching organization. How has that, maybe what are some of the opportunities you've encountered? And then I'm sure there's also challenges that come along with that. Yeah. So maybe I'll just share a little bit of of my journey and, and how I got here. Um, as you said, I was working at the University of Michigan. I went to school and got my degree and then I was recruited by one of the consulting firms, and it was a niche consulting firm at the time, blending business strategy and technology during the whole dot-com rise. And they were recruiting MBAs, but they were looking for someone to come in and help with their campus recruiting. And so I went to this organization. It was a, a bit of a risk at the time for me. I had never uh, moved away from growing up in Michigan, and so I was coming to Chicago but what I found there is it really became about the people and the talent of that organization. I was surrounded again with really incredibly intelligent, hardworking and ambitious people. But most important to me was that the culture was just around being very nice and focusing on teamwork and collaboration and embracing these new ideas. The company grew. I think I was employee 150. We grew to 2,400 globally in the time that I was there. And as you can imagine, with companies going through that kind of growth and coming from a startup, things just started to change. And so I decided it was time to leave. Um, and I think it's really critical for women in particular when you're in an organization that doesn't align with what you aspire, whether that's in the values or in the work, that you make that decision and decide to leave and move on. And for me, it was a little bit of both. The values were changing in the organization, but also the work was changing and I realized I would benefit from going to a larger company. And so I went on the opposite end of a startup and to a bank that was 50,000 employees at the time. Wow. And we, yeah. That is a big difference. It was a, a big difference. I grew up yeah. in banking. So yeah, that is the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> and it was less sort of innovative and creative. And so, you know, I went there, it, it was this big company. It was very structured as it needed to be, right? It was in financial services. But that creativity and that innovative mindset sort of didn't work out for me. And then I decided to move back to Chicago. I was out in Los Angeles at the time and I found JLL. And as you said in the beginning, I was coming here for a year. I really had no interest in commercial real estate. I was pretty naive to the scale, the economic drivers, and the impact it could have on the world. And again, found a place that was really smart people, but also had the culture that aligned to me. And when I think about our organization today and the impact it has on the world, and you think about in commercial real estate, you know, 90% of the population is impacted by this every day. And so that's a huge part of me wanting to stay here. And then over the 19 years, I've just continued to learn and grow and be curious. I went back to school and got an MBA here and then just continued to take on new responsibilities and just been an incredible journey. I love it. And I agree. I think, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more is, is commercial real estate is such a broad label, if you will. And um, as you found out, and I know in having conversations with you, you've educated me just how much of a meaningful impact uh, it does have on everyone's lives, regardless if you're in the industry or not. 
What are some of the culture, like the values or traits that you like and embrace within the culture at JLL? And, or I guess I should say, you also try to set and um, have the company embrace since you're one of the people in HR, you know, kind of getting to set the tone, if you will, for that. Yeah, our our core values that we taught globally are quite simple. It's really about teamwork, excellence, and ethics, which are core and foundational to who we are. And in an organization that's dominated by a sales workforce, that whole teamwork aspect is really key for us. And it ties into how do we bring together diverse mindsets to help solution for our clients in a different way? So that is very, very important to me. But I also think that our organization feels an obligation to make the world a better place. And when I think about our sustainability agenda and reducing the carbon footprint, not only for ourselves, but for our client and the impact that that will have on the world is really quite huge. And then finally, if you think about commercial real estate really being where people go to work and how they live their lives and what that experience is like in the surroundings of a space, it can have a significant impact on people in their jobs and roles as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we spend such a large portion of our lives, um, both at work and with the people we work with. I mean, I know we've seen a big change over the last few years due to the pandemic, where some people and companies have gone fully remote. I think I've seen a lot more of where it's been some type of hybrid approach. Any trends or things that you'd like to comment on how JLL is adjusting or flexing as we go forward in kind of a more of a hybrid world? Yeah, I think I definitely think hybrid is here to stay, but you're also starting to see the more recent trend where organizations are realizing the value and the power of bringing people together. And there was a statistic recently around the number of patents that had been released have dropped significantly from the pandemic and you could you could theorize that part of that is because people aren't coming together to innovate and create as much and that's really what the office space allowed. So I I think like I said, I think the talent shortage that exists today is going to support a hybrid workforce. And it's a position that we take within even with our own workforce is creating that flexibility so we can draw the talent. But I wouldn't want to lose sight of what bringing together people can be and, and working together really adds. We're humans, right? We want to interact with one another yes. and be around people. And most of us find a lot of energy through that. I agree. And regardless of what industry you're working in, um, just being able to build the relationships, um, you know, as you said, we're all human. And so you do want to get to know your colleagues as human beings as well, because I think it just helps you be that exactly. much better at your job. Exactly. And we agree too at Private Vista, when we returned from the pandemic, we adopted a hybrid model as well. And, um, we have found it certainly useful with our employees being more satisfied. Um, I think they feel that they're trusted, that we know they're going to get their work done regardless of where they are. And then, as you mentioned, too, it certainly has been helpful as we're recruiting and doing additional hiring. Being in a, a service industry, I think it's almost expected that you have to have some level of flexibility of when and where people are doing their work. Right. Um, I also think about when you if you think about 
more and more of the roles in, in companies are going to be knowledge-based roles. And where do you gain that knowledge is largely from working with your coworkers. Yes, absolutely. Especially, you know, as we both highlighted hiring, I can't imagine coming into a new company and being 100% remote. I think it'd be so much more difficult to get onboarded, to get to know your colleagues, build those relationships. Um, And I see it with a lot of our younger advisors, too, when we're in the office, if they hear people, you know, talking about a case or, hey, here's how we're going to handle this um, potential client situation or the new tax law, it's a lot easier to kind of jump in and say, hey, I'm interested in learning that, too, or, oh, I read an article about it and here's here's how I'm approaching it, right? So kind of the talk around the water cooler, if you will, or the the coffee cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the whole premise of adult learning is that you end up learning from one another. And so it's kind of funny that we think education, and even if you go back to schools where they're, it's so important for students to come together, why yes. wouldn't that permeate itself through the workforce too? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially two, I do think two heads are better than one. So you can have the same knowledge, but maybe you had a different life experience or you had a different strategy for your particular client and things like that. So you're right. You absolutely continue to learn. And uh, even though we have the book knowledge and things like that, I think you and I have both lived enough life to know uh, you do get some curveballs thrown at you. So it's <laughs> <laughs> like a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I'm sh- <laughs> yes, I do not envy your role having to navigate a, a large corporation and tens of thousands of uh, employees looking to you to be like, how are we going to do this? What's right. next? <laughs> right. <laughs> So why don't we maybe kind of pivot to that? And and it doesn't have to be directly driven related to the pandemic, but what are some key skills that, you know, you look for as you're developing the leadership team, as you're developing in yourself, or, um, you know, you've noticed like you either had the skills, what are some of the key ones that leaders need to have when you're, you know, looking to, to motivate your team? have people looking to grow and looking forward. But then as you mentioned as well, it's a pretty tight labor market. So how are you retaining people, keeping them content at the company, but again, allowing them to say, hey, there's growth for you as well? Yeah, I think one of the things the pandemic did do for us was really challenged how, what are the leadership traits that a workforce is looking for? And it became more about how do you show empathy and how do you recognize individuals as a whole person, not just what they are at work and doing that in a way that demonstrates high care. You know, I think for any leader, it's really important to create a clear and compelling vision, get people aligned to a purpose but how you engage those individuals and all of their skill sets behind that purpose and vision is really what true leadership is about. Um, I think one of my favorite stories actually happened a long time ago, and I read this. I was reminded of it as I was reading the book, The CEO Test. And it talked about a time when President Kennedy went to visit the NASA Space Center in 1962, and he noticed a janitor carrying a broom, and he interrupted his tour and walked over and introduced himself to the man and and asked him, you know, what was he doing? And the janitor responded, 
I'm helping put a man on the moon, Mr. President. And I just thought, love that. What that story tells is just, it got everyone, he presented a vision of putting a man on the moon to the point that everyone, the janitor included, was rallying behind that purpose and that vision and recognized their role in it and how they could contribute to it. And then that he would take the time to step aside and introduce himself on this tour just showed great employee care and empathy. So I think, I think that's just really, really key not to forget that we are all humans and how you inspire and engage people is, is really quite what leadership is all about. Absolutely. I think as humans, deep down or at our core, each of us just wants to be seen and acknowledged. I don't know about you. I can't tell you how many times whether I, you know, get into an Uber or if I'm, you know, getting lunch and I'm checking out, just asking someone, looking them in the eye and saying, hey, how are you doing today? And my friends always tease me because if we're out to eat, I always ask whoever is serving us, you know, what's your name? And then make sure to use it throughout the meal. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's just they're human beings. They're doing their job. and But you want to acknowledge them and say, I see you and, you know, and I appreciate you. Yeah, it's one of the things. Um, and I actually read an article during all of the social unrest a couple of years ago, race related in the U.S. here. And this woman wrote this article, she was working in the technology industry. And, you know, you go through your life and you say, how are you doing? And everybody's fine. I'm good. And she yeah. said her manager <laughs> did the most incredible thing. And she, she, to the point that she wrote this editorial and she said, the manager stopped and said, no, how are you really doing? And she repeated again. She said, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm doing my job. I'm fine. And she kept pushing and saying, no, with everything going on in the world, how are you dealing with all of this? And it, again, showed that care and concern for the individual. And it was something she just was really touched by and respected and, and acknowledged. So I, I just, it, you, you can't lose sight of the human touch around um, really inspiring and, and drawing out the best in people. Yeah, I agree. I would say too, you know, you mentioned in that example, both of the people are were are women. How, you know, as women as leaders uh, in both of our respective companies and kind of at large, what are, you know, some of the traits you mentioned and the core values at JLL, collaboration, ethics, empathy. We've just both highlighted, you know, looking at your colleague or your teammate as as a human, as a person. How can we as women, I would say, highlight and utilize? I know we're all individuals, so I don't want a broad brush or stereotype. But um, if you already have those skills, and I think as many of the women I know we do innately have those, how do you leverage using them in the best way to, you know, for yourself in the workplace, and then also to encourage and, um, you know, get your team to grow? Yeah, I think you're spot on that some of these leadership traits are actually more natural in women to sort of show that care and nurturing. And so I would, I would say really draw that out as you advance in leadership um, as well. I think a couple of things I would encourage women as they think about their careers is to not diminish themselves and oh, their agree. contributions. Yeah, yes. I, I, I saw this presentation with two colleagues um, that they were presenting and one was a male and one was a female. 
And she opened the session, which I thought, great. I'm glad that she's owning this and really driving this versus letting, you know, her male colleague open up. But she opened it and she immediately diminished herself by introducing her male colleague as the mastermind behind the presentation. And she was just the cheerleader. Um, Right. And I just worry about, you know, and I know she didn't mean it. It was intended to be humorous, but we but really still. have to move away from that stereotype of that, that we are and, and not worry too much about being bossy or standing up for what we believe in. Cause I think we have a lot of value to add to corporations. I agree. Um, I know with some of my female colleagues as well, I'm always telling them, be big, take up space. Don't apologize unnecessarily. Yes. Um, that's my, probably my number one pet peeve. And, um, I call them on it. You know, I, I pull them aside individually and say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this because I care about you and I want you to come into the meeting or the room from a place of power and strength. So please, you know, I'm coming from a place of love and I just, I want to keep calling you on it because it's a habit you're probably not even aware of. Yeah. And, and it, it, I think you're ex- really right. Women don't really realize, and I love you say sort of make space in, in, in the room and, and larger self, I was recently, when I just got promoted, I was at an executive meeting and we were sitting around the table and I was towards the end and the guy who I work with was sitting next to me, but because the screen was in front facing the other way, he kept his back to me the whole time. So I got up in the middle of the meeting and moved because I didn't want Love to it. be behind his back. And and I think women need to be more and more aware of the subtleties. Like you say, we have a tendency to apologize more than than men do. And it just discredits us. So being mindful of those things and and having a greater presence is so key. Agree. Agree. I mean, you're like you said, your actions matter. So you got up and moved. I think our words matter, um, not apologizing or, you know, just being strong with um I know one thing I read is instead of saying, Hey, I'm sorry I'm late, whether it's for a meeting or a call, simply flip it and say thank you for waiting. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, there I had read a couple articles on this and it's so simple, but you do need to keep it top of mind. But I also think too to have people who are your peers and or, you know, if they're your team leaders or the um division leaders or, you know, partners at company, that also too we're reminding people because it's it's long ingrained habits that we're trying to reset. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. How about two, I would say, um, some of the things uh, I think too, that a lot of the articles and this this is another pet peeve of mine is the whole like work-life balance. I, <laughs> they don't ask men that question. <laughs> no, they don't. Right. Right. Yeah. I was, I was just reading an article too about the, the daddy caucus in uh, Congress. Oh, I can't remember who it was, but he like strapped his baby into him when he was voting on something. And, you know, there's all this press and all these things like that. And women are like, I've been doing this, you know, we've been doing this for hundreds of years and, there's no articles or Instagram accounts on us, right? It's just always been done that way. But yeah, I think it's like, how do you, 
I think you and I are in line. I, I don't know. I don't believe in the whole like work-life balance. I think there's room for both work and a personal life, but I'm not sure that it's possible or even if you'd want it to be to a 50-50. But what are some of the things that you've personally done and then maybe you coach with either, you know, uh, colleagues or friends or things like that? How do you get past the guilt or let it go? Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing for women. And I don't know that I'm great about it, but but when you're balancing raising children, managing a home life, and then managing a career that, as you say, is very important to women these days and trying to have it all and 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 still, even though there are men that are playing a bigger role, a lot of the work and home life still sits with the women in their families. I think what I've learned, and there was an article about this, is the most successful women learn how to outsource aspects of their life. I mean, part of the reason why I enjoy working with Private Vista is you guys came to me through a referral um, and really helped start to support me in what I needed from a financial planning perspective. And, you know, frankly, I didn't have the time when I was stepping into this role and nor did I really have the interest. And so your team has come in to support me. It makes me feel much more confident about my financial future. Um, And so it's things like that of really taking aspects of your life and saying, what can I outsource and, and what either brings me joy or what are the things that I like to do so I can create that capacity by letting those things go and getting help from others. I love that. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for your uh, kind words about our firm. We appreciate it. But you're you're not unique in our client base. Um, our clients are all you know busy, both with successful careers and then personal lives, however that looks. So you're absolutely right. And I subscribe um, to that as well. Obviously, I don't outsource my personal financial planning, but doing things, yeah, what do, what do I either enjoy doing or want to learn to do? And then anything else, I 100% agree. Let's outsource it um, and have the people who they find joy from doing that activity um, and they're good at it as well. Um, I don't think to be successful or to be a um, a proven, you know, a woman proven at this point in life that you have to be able to do it all yourself. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's probably pretty darn hard to get there to do it all and then to do it well. And uh, I love the word joy and still find joy in your life. So I love that you use that. And I would say, speaking of that, you know, you and I kind of shared some of the things we do as leaders at our company to help promote ourselves and then also help bring along the other women that are uh, coming along in our industries. But again, we don't we don't need to do it. All. Well, I would say we don't want to do it all by ourselves. And please, if you disagree with any of my wording, let me know. But why don't we take maybe a few minutes to talk about how our male colleagues can and have been allies? Yeah. And I I will say I have really been fortunate through my career that I've had several men who have seen the potential and the performance in me to help really become allies and uh, really advocate for me, which is probably the biggest thing that men can do is and I look at advocating as not only supporting your career, but also being the one who stands up for you when you're not in the room. And so I think men play a big part of helping reshape the workforce, not only in the demographics, but especially at the leadership ranks of talking about them when they're not in the room, giving them 
opportunities just like they would anyone else. I've had a couple of executives that I've worked with over the years who could see me sort of shying away from, as you said, sort of putting yourself at the table. And they really kind of brought it out and would call me out in meetings and sort of force me to gain that voice throughout the years. And so I think men play a big role in helping women advance in all organizations. Yeah, I I agree. And the statistics show and the studies show that companies benefit um, both from a cultural perspective, but also from a financial perspective that they have, you know, whatever you want, higher revenues, higher profitability, um, higher client or employee satisfaction, that when you have a more diverse leadership team, and just people bringing different life experiences and different perspectives to the table. Yeah, I think if you think about women today, right, we make up 50% of the workforce and really have between 70 and 80% of the consumer spend. Yes. So organizations are going to have to start to think about how do I sell to women in a very different way than in, in the past. Um, and I think organizations that can really harness that thinking, as you say, collectively, men and women or diverse populations come together to really solve problems and create products that are meaningful is really what it's all about. I agree. And it's so much more, right? I think when um, you've seen certain like big consumer product companies or even some financial services firms, they're like, oh, we'll just like put some pictures of women and we'll just have a a pink theme to our marketing material. And and that, you know, then now we've, um, we've tailored it to that audience. So it's certainly so much more than that. And I know I'm always saying, you know, as you pointed out, women, we're over 50% of the population. So we're not a niche. Uh, We're over half of the population. And, um, you know, even though you and I are both leaders in our industry, we've had different life experiences and things, you know, we might have different things that are Uh, in order of priority that are important to us. So something that might resonate with you or be like, yes, they get me. I might be like, oh my gosh, did they miss the mark and vice versa. So, right. I think it's looking. we're individuals. Um, Yes, we do share a lot of the same qualities and characteristics and things like that. But again, it's not only just putting pink on it. It's how how to figuring out how we think, what's important to us. I know my industry, the financial services industry, continues to struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Um, women who look at their wealth, um, they do it very differently than men, you know. And we've seen, uh, you know, even in in conversations with you, where it's not as important of did I beat the markets or how did my portfolio do? It's more, how am I tracking to my goals and what's important for me and my family uh, and the organizations I care about? Yeah. And I think financial services, real estate, all of those organizations are having to rethink how they work so that they can draw out the best from their women, their female colleagues or all colleagues, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So great. Well, um, why don't we, I, I could, I think you and I could probably talk about this. We could be here all week. We're both clearly, we're clearly knowledgeable about it being women. And I think we're passionate about it as well. Do you maybe want to, do we want to wrap up and do you want to share a few of the things that uh, your company has been doing to support women and the growth in their careers with JLL? I would be happy to. I'm actually really quite proud of the work and the effort that we've done 
as an organization, and I'll start with our board of directors is probably one of the most diverse boards that you would see in any Fortune 200 company. But within for our employee base of our top 100 leaders, 25% of them are female. We still have work to go, but um, for this industry, that's really quite impressive. We have eight countries in which we generate the majority of our success. And three of those eight countries are led by female CEOs. And that has changed significantly over the last five years. So I'm quite proud of that. Over a third of our workforce globally is female. And we continue to invest in organizations and partner with organizations um, that help continue this agenda around females in the workforce. We are part of the commercial real estate for women pledge uh, for action to support the advancement of women in real estate. We published our fifth gender pay gap report and the third ethnicity pay gap report in the UK and have launched programs to break down financial barriers for underrepresented populations entering into the real estate, including assisting with student loans so that we can draw in, again, more diverse workforce. And then globally, we have women, female business networks um, that we support where they hold training and webinars and really just build a organization that's there to support one another. That that sounds amazing. Um, it sounds like you guys have made some great strides and I have no doubt uh, with you on the executive team that you guys will continue to make even greater strides. I look forward to the day where uh, we're just talking about leadership And we don't, right? We don't have to assign any other type of modifier or label to it. It's just what type of skills or, you know, what type of people are good leaders, right? Right, right. So we see that day. (laughs) I was just going to say, I hope you and I see the day. Uh, Probably I have more hope that your daughter will see the day. So, (laughs) but that's okay. As long as the day is coming. Yes, yes, that's true. yeah. So again, I want to thank you for sharing uh, not only your time, but uh, you know some of your personal stories with myself and our listeners. I think that just again shows that you know we're willing to open up and talk about how we got to where we are today. Um, and you know, it's it's not always a path that's linear and upwards to the right. And uh, you know, we all we're all human, and we all have some stumbles or setbacks. But you just got to keep going. So. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, I do have a question that I ask all my guests. Um, Where would you most like to live and why? And you can put it in the context of, you know, if there's no constraints on like, you have to be somewhere because of work or family obligations or any financial constraints or anything like that. Well, there's a lot of places I would like to live, uh, especially outside of the U.S., which would be fun to do. Um, Yes, but if I had to pick one place, I would say I would be by my daughter. She lives in Los Angeles Aww. now. And so I, I think I would trade the Midwest to be closer to her. That's great. That is great. And uh, I love that answer. Thank you. So great. All right. This has been fantastic, Laura and Nicole. Uh, I do have a couple things real quick. Number one, as a guy. The irony and or stupidity is not lost on me when a guy straps a baby to his body and votes because he's wearing a snuggly, which was invented by a woman in the 70s, a nurse, by the way. And she based it off of a kanga from Africa that she saw over there, which, again, was also invented by a woman. So let's just put it there. 
<laughs> irony just kills me. But I do have an actual, a real question, uh, Laura, if you don't mind. Sure. You spoke earlier about kind of that mindset, you know, understanding that people are human beings and it's, it's a human being that you're looking at. It's not just a number. It's not just a, a worker, right? And women sometimes struggle when you, you know, if you're not in a full on leadership position, if you're not at the top, it can be a struggle to get those ideas across. And I'm just going to say it to men who may not have that particular trait in them, right? To where they're humanizing the workers, they, they care about them. I have no doubt that there's some care there. But when you were talking earlier about, you know, truly finding out how someone's doing, how does somebody who's not in a, a woman specifically, who's not in a leadership position, how do they convey that to the leadership that's in place without them trying to identify her as being touchy feely or oh, it's just you're being too mom like right because it's very condescending it's very frustrating and this is a, a valid and wonderful idea but what would your encouragement be to them that aren't in quite in that leadership position to be able to pull that trigger it's tough i'm not gonna lie i think it takes risk and vulnerability because you are going to have to go into your emotions and share especially when it's not natural for you know men to even ask what's going on. And so I, I certainly applaud that. But that shouldn't prevent you from helping your manager, your leader understand the dynamics of what you're coming from, because it's only going to make you a better worker. And that's really what this is about. So I think for women who are ambitious, it will be about their performance for sure. I mean, you have to perform mm -hmm. um, to get ahead. But also sort of taking the risk of just helping one another, whether you're men or women, understand really where you're coming from and what matters to you, because then they can draw out the best in you. Yeah. And I think with the mental health, um, th the different things that we're seeing coming out of the pandemic with, with people's mental health being so important, I think people are realizing more that you have to humanize the worker, right? Or else you're going to lose the workers. Absolutely. So I, I think that that maybe time and situations are on our side now that those messages can be conveyed in a way that are received, if you will, by people that maybe didn't receive them 10 years ago. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. We're certainly more open to it. Absolutely. That's true. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Nicole, I, I know that, that this is something that you're passionate about. If folks are listening to this, they want to reach out to you specifically. Um, how do they do that? And then also, Laura, I'd like you to think about that as well. If somebody wants to connect with you, if you could answer right after her. Great. Thanks, Eric. So yes, if someone uh, would like to connect with me or someone at Private Vista, uh, you can contact info at myprivatevista.com. Or you can go to our website, which is myprivatevista.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there'll be a contact us button. And either of those ways, you'll be able to connect with me. And how do they connect with you? Probably the easiest is just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. And so I would be happy to, to connect with anyone interested in these topics and learning more. Fantastic. Well, thank you both again for your time and such a great podcast today. And our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romito. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. 
visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.